0: Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Vulnerable. This is your host, Chelsea Vaughn. I have not gotten used to saying that yet. I kind of love saying it. Like, hello, I'm your host. It's me. Yeah, girl, Chelsea Vaughn. Anyways, so today we are talking about all things egg freezing. If you don't follow me on Insta, you don't know that I just froze my eggs and it was quite the journey, but it was a pretty good one for me. I honestly can't complain. Um I didn't have too many crazy side effects, I learned a lot about my fertility, I had a really amazing doctor, and I kind of want to share all the knowledge and everything I learned with you guys just because six months ago, like I didn't know shit about my fertility or my body or hormones or any of that. And part of that is because I was never taught, which is sad. We don't learn a lot about women's bodies, unfortunately, in school. Um, And a lot of that in my adult life is because I didn't I didn't look into it, and I didn't educate myself, but I have you guys' ear, and I want to help other people learn, and I always like to take any opportunity that I can to help empower and educate women, and I know most of you listening are women, so we're going to talk about the egg freezing process today. I know a lot of people don't know how the egg freezing process even works, so I figured we would start there kind of with what the process is and my personal experience with it. So the entire process takes about two weeks and my doctor was in California near like the Oakland area. So I flew out to California for the two weeks because I just thought it would be easier to do that. So everything kind of starts with your ultrasound and your hormone testing and You have to see kind of what your levels are at and what the doctors need to see what they're working with. And they do a follicle count, which is basically a follicle is what will turn into an egg. So they count your follicles on each ovary. For someone of my age, it would be normal to have around like 15 to 20 ish follicles. And the first time we had an ultrasound in New York, this is like right before I'm about to fly out to see Dr. Amy, there were only two follicles, there was one on each ovary, and I had a cyst. So I was freaking out. Like I was literally sitting in Saks Fifth Avenue. I had just bought myself a birthday gift because I was going to go to Tulum with my friends and the doctor calls me. I think everything's fine. And I'm like crying in the middle of Saks Fifth Avenue because I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to have kids. (laughs) That is definitely not what she said to me, but that's what I heard. And I'm not even someone who's like super gung-ho about the idea of being a mother. Like I'm not like, wow, my destiny in life is to have kids like, I'm not even sure if I want them to be quite honest yet. Um, But the thought or hearing someone just tell me that it might not be a possibility was like gut-wrenching. So I was freaking out. I had to cancel the first time that I was supposed to go and start the egg freezing process because you can't do it if you have a cyst. We ended up taking out my IUD because some people are just more prone than others um, to be affected by birth control. And it is hormonal, my IUD. So once they took that out, All of my eggies popped up, my follicles popped up and I ended up having around like 15, 20, like more than 20 when we started doing the hormone shots, which was great. It's exactly what I wanted, exactly what Dr. Amy wanted and it ended up, everything ended up being okay. So once I got to California, that's when I started my hormone shots and you do have to inject them yourself in your belly and there's 10 days of shots. So I started the shots, basically, short version. The shots are to kind of make the eggs grow at a rapid pace or the follicles grow so that they can be extracted and put on ice because you have to put mature eggs on ice. So it just makes the process speed up. So I did my 10 days of hormone shots. Everything looked really good. We scheduled the egg retrieval and we got a beautiful number of eggs that I'm really happy with. Um... And I really didn't have any horrible side effects, thank goodness. I wasn't super bloated. I didn't really have any pain. I think I got really lucky because I've seen and heard that there's people that feel like they're six months pregnant with the way that you bloat after the surgery. And honestly, like everyone's body is different, so you really never know. But overall, I would recommend the egg freezing process to anyone, 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 anyone. I feel so much better about the fact that I kind of took my fertility into my own hands in a way and like... I definitely felt really empowered throughout the whole process, and I'm so happy I did it. I have, I feel like I have a little insurance policy in the freezer, like I have a little bit of weight lifted off my shoulders just because I am 30, and unfortunately, this is something we have to think about as women, but yeah, so that's, that's really my journey and how everything went with me, short version. Um, I definitely have a huge highlight on my page if you guys want to look and see. It's called fertility or egg freezing. And the entire thing I documented from like start to finish. So you guys can check that out if you want to see more. But I want to bring on Dr. Amy now. She is a fertility specialist and she's also known as the egg whisperer because she specializes in egg freezing and she even has her own show called the egg whisperer show. And honestly, she has more accolades than I could possibly even try to mention and list. Um, So you guys should definitely check her out and follow her on Instagram at egg whisperer. But she's also just an amazing human and so sweet. She made me feel so comfortable and safe and taken care of throughout the whole process because it is such an intimate process. Like I didn't even realize how emotional I was going to get, but I was so glad to have her there in my corner. And obviously I'm not a doctor, so I can only tell you guys about my personal experience with all of this like I just did. And so I put a QA and a question box on my story and let you guys ask everything you want to know about egg freezing and the most popular ones, like how much does it cost? How will it affect me? Like, will I gain weight? Does it hurt? All of that. I asked Dr. Amy and now I want to share her and all of her glory with you guys. So I hope you really love the episode. I hope you learned something. And here's Dr. Amy. Dr. Amy, welcome to Vulnerable. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's so great to see you again. Oh, you too. I know firsthand how busy you are, so I really appreciate you taking the time out of the schedule today. Um, so basically, I wanted to share my journey with like all of my followers and hopefully a bunch more people because as soon as I posted that I was like freezing my eggs, I got so many questions and most of my followers are women. So if I can empower and educate women in any way I can, I always want to do that. So I wanted to bring you on to answer all the questions that I personally can't answer because I don't want to misinform people. Um, and you're the doctor. So I kind of just wanted to go through like the questions that I was asked the most, the biggest ones that people were asking me over and over, and also maybe bust some myths. Um, because I know there's a ton of myths around fertility, around egg freezing, and would love to kind of debunk some of those so that people know the the real truth. Um, So I usually start all my episodes with discussing a celebrity hot topic. (laughs) Um, But today I wanted to instead bust some myths about fertility. So like, what are some of the biggest myths that you always hear about fertility or about egg freezing?
1: Okay. So about fertility, number one is that fertility declines at 35. It's extremely unfortunate. That's what people think, because for some people, it can be even earlier or younger. And I'm not trying to scare people at all, but one of my mantras is the more, you know, the better things will go. So that's why I really try and educate people about getting their levels checked and learning about their bodies, learning about their fertility, seeing a fertility doctor, talking to them about Your goals and plans and when you're going to have your babies and what the perfect scenario could be for you so that you don't feel like when you're ready to start your family, your options have run out and have been taken away from you. But had you done something sooner, you would have had those options there. So that's one of the myths is that for some reason, people think that 35 is like, I have to do something by 35. And I get these people calling me And they're like, any my 35th birthday is in a month, I have to do IVF right now. I'm like, no, no, there's nothing terrible. It's going to happen at 35. Let's learn about your body and see what's going on. So that's one myth. Yeah. But Um, on the
0: 35 thing, because I know that your fertility can start declining before 35, of course, but what is it about 35? Like, isn't that the rule where that's when things become a geriatric pregnancy?
1: Yeah. So the 35 thing was created around one thing, and that's the risk of down syndrome. So, and amniocentesis. So at 35, your risk of down syndrome of having a baby with down syndrome is actually higher than the risk of losing a pregnancy from an amniocentesis. It's totally like arbitrary. So that's where this age of 35 comes in so that you know, people can get this amniocentesis procedure and see if their pregnancy has Down syndrome, and then make a tough decision for themselves. But things have changed. Yeah, we have yeah. non-invasive testing that you can do to to learn more about the genetics of a pregnancy. You can do that at nine weeks. So that's where this old, what's old is new. It's still, you know, is perpetuated as a myth that 35 is this like age where fertility declines. It actually doesn't. It's just a statistical thing. It's based on Um, You know, all comers and the risk of Down syndrome and what happens with that risk at the age of 35. That's
0: it. So it's just the risk of Down syndrome at
1: 35. It's not all of the risk double at 35. No. And it's not even doubling. It's like all of a sudden your risk of having a baby with Down syndrome goes up a little bit higher, such that doing an amniocentesis makes sense for all women over 35. If you're thinking of it as a mathematician. Right. But that's not how I don't see people as. I don't think of people as everyone in a study. I think of everyone individually and looking at their levels, their goals and where they're at, at their age. Okay. And just to clarify the
0: amniocentesis <laughs> that so is am- the test. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. So it's an invasive test. You take a needle and you go through the wall of the uterus into the amniotic sac and you drain out fluid that surrounds the baby to get a diagnosis about whether the pregnancy is genetically normal or not. That is one of several tests that you can do in pregnancy to learn more about the genetics of your pregnancy. Wow.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, I didn't know all of that. I knew some of that, but I definitely like was part of the people that believe some of that myth. Um,
1: Okay, let's do another one. (laughs) Uh, The other one is that sperm doesn't matter or previous paternity equals current fertility. And I think a lot of guys, you know, if they, let's say, you know, I hear this all the time. It's like, well, I got my girlfriend pregnant when she was 18 and she had an abortion. So I, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, that was like 20 years ago. You're really <laughs> going to like resist doing a simple sperm check and put your stuff in a cup because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a common myth that sperm doesn't matter. And in fact, sperm does matter. It's half of the equation. It's 50% of the embryo and it's extremely important, especially as people are getting older and starting their families over the age of 35. We know that there's increased risk, especially if guys are over the age of 50. So just like we're talking about egg freezing right now, um, I, you know, I imagine one day I'm gonna have like sperm freezing parties where I'm gonna talk to guys about sperm freezing.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a really good one though, because I feel like, Yeah. It's starting to be more talked about with women and looking at their fertility earlier, which is amazing. And which is why I want to continue to talk about it and do episodes like this. But for men, I think everyone just thinks, okay, well, women are born with all their eggs and men can have sperm forever. So they can have
1: babies forever.
0: So like people really
1: don't think about the sperm like that. I definitely didn't. Yeah. There's this one great company called meat fellow. I don't know what, I mean, it sounds like a dating service. I've told them about that. But they're not listening to me. It's still called Meet fellow, but the fellow test is a really easy way of getting your sperm checked. And you can also freeze your sperm at the same time. So you can, let's say go to their website or even go to my website and you can you know, click on the shop uh, drop down and then order a kit for yourself and then get a result and also freeze your sperm along the way. So they've made it so easy for guys. I wish it was as easy for us. You had to go through all the shots and the egg retrieval. I know. Just a, a cup, <laughs> in a, cup in a room,
0: right? Things tend to be easier for guys in this world. But if there are any guys listening to this podcast, which <laughs> I don't have a lot of guy followers, yeah. maybe there's a few. <laughs> yeah. Then you guys need to look into fertility too. Um, okay, perfect. Those were amazing myths I think to bust, and okay. I, I mean, I learned a lot just <laughs> in those two myths. Yes. Um, so. One of the number one questions that I got asked about the egg freezing process is can you do it when you're on birth control? I had an IUD in and we had to take my IUD out just because me specifically, it was suppressing my ovaries or something, my eggs, something was going on with my IUD. So we had to take mine out.
1: But with an IUD, you can normally keep it in if you want to freeze your eggs, right? That's absolutely right. 75% of the time you can do a cycle with the IUD in about 25% of the time, the IUD will interfere and cause a cyst to form. And that can make your whole cycle wonky and we don't want a wonky cycle. So you're totally right. And with birth control pills, like the actual pills that you swallow, um, you can basically coordinate a cycle so that you stop the pill, start your meds five days later, take your meds, have a period, and then restart the pill right after that. In terms of like, you know, the pill and how I like to do things, I typically like to take a woman off the pill completely, maybe for one or two months. So the pill doesn't suppress her ovaries too much, but not everyone needs to do that.
0: Right. And then what about the, um, is it copper? What about the one that goes in your arm? I don't know what it's called.
1: Uh, the Nexplanon. So yes. the Nexplanon is also similar to the IUD and that sometimes you can get cysts that form for the most part, they don't, it does not need to come out.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Okay, cool. Um, I explained
0: before that you have to do a bunch of shots, you know, the hormone shots and you do a little bit of prep before you can have your egg retrieval surgery. And a lot of people wanted to know about side effects. Like if there was going to be emotional side effects, if there's physical side effects, a lot of people asked about weight gain. And then a lot of people asked how much it hurts, like what the pain level is. So how do you, what do you think about the side effects that
1: are normally seen? I know everyone's different, but kind of normally seen. So in the beginning, you might start to get a little bit headachey, maybe slightly nauseous and twinges in your ovaries. And I always tell people don't tough it out, treat any side effects that you're having with pain meds, ask your clinic for anti-nausea medication and talk to your doctor, make sure that you know, your doctor isn't worried about a complication, but those things are pretty normal. Then as the cycle progresses, you start to feel, I call it the estrogen fog starts to roll in. You start to feel super sleepy. And for some people, they get a little bit more, emo- if you're already emotional, it could actually ramp up your emotions. For other people, they might feel just the same. And then I've actually seen other people feel this complete extreme euphoria. Like they feel like the best that they've ever felt. They feel extremely happy. Really. And they sometimes they sometimes worry that maybe they're estrogen deficient And this is somehow replacing something that they're missing. Hmm. And I've had a a handful of people say they have pretty exotic dreams as they're going exotic, not exotic, erotic. (laughs) And I'm like, please don't tell me about them. I don't want to hear la 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 la. Um, But then you also get this egg white cervical mucus as your estrogen levels go up. And a lot of people worry they didn't know that that was normal, they might be ovulating. And then as you get closer to the egg retrieval, a little bit more bloating. And then after the retrieval, cramping, bloating, water gain water weight gain is pretty typical and then constipation and then the worst PMS of your life followed by the waterfall of a period. So that's kind of like, you know, the whole roller coaster of things that can happen to you during an egg freezing cycle. (laughs) I love your adjectives. They're my favorite.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah. So for me, I feel like I definitely had that estrogen fog you were talking about. Like, I remember that day I woke up and I texted you, like, I just feel like I drank a whole bottle of wine last night. I was like, I didn't even drink and I feel hungover. And that feeling, I guess, was just the tiredness and like the, ex- and I always get a migraine when I'm hungover too. So I guess that was the estrogen. Um, but yeah, you told me to just increase my hydration, protein, Um But yeah, a couple of my friends that have done it, they got super bloated. They felt super uncomfortable. And I know like when you Google egg freezing or like look at YouTube videos, maybe it's like the most extreme people, but I've seen a lot of people that are like, oh, I looked six months pregnant afterwards. Like I was so bloated. Can that happen? Or like, it just depends on the body.
1: It actually can. And, um, you know, in some cases where you've retrieved like, there's some people that go through an egg retrieval and they retrieve 30 and 40 eggs and they don't look like anything has happened to them. And other people, you retrieve three eggs and they're just so swollen afterwards. So everyone's experience is different. I also think body type has a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I feel like the more hydrated a patient goes in, the less swelling she'll get. Um, it's just something that I've noticed. And especially with you probably heard me, I mean, you heard me say, yeah, Chelsea increase your protein intake 60 grams per day. (laughs) I think that can help keep the bloat That's very typical. Yeah. And that's the okay. most distressing. I mean, it's really distressing for someone who's slim to all of a sudden, like gain five pounds in water weight.
0: Totally. Especially if your stomach specifically, like you were talking about Angela, like really tight abs or like really small stomachs, like, and then it bloats, like it's just very quick for your body to kind of go through that. But luckily for me, I didn't have that issue. <laughs> think you're allowed to boast about that. (laughs) Luckily, I had a great experience. No, um, I like what you said about maybe some women getting like 30 to 40 eggs and other women getting three. A lot of people had asked me like, what's the average number of eggs that a woman will get? I know this is kind of a trick question for you. And I know you don't like to say exactly how many eggs, but what can you answer this at all for people that are thinking like, what's a normal number of eggs?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it just depends on what your numbers are at the beginning. So for example, if someone has 10 follicles, the normal number for them will be eight. Typically, you know, Mm -hmm. if I were to just kind of estimate the number of mature eggs that they would get frozen for themselves, I mean, it could be 10, it could be six. So I think that's an important question to ask the doctor, like when you are the patient but there's also a certain number that I feel good about preserving for a patient. So she has at least 50% chance of having two or more kids. And that number also depends on the age. So for, you know, for someone your age, I would say if you had, you know, around 14 mature eggs or so frozen, I would feel really good that you'd have over a 50% chance of having two kids from that batch of 14 eggs. Okay. So that's kind of like, but, you know, if, it, if you were, let's say 38, I would say I'd really want 30 eggs. Mm. to have that same type of feeling that you had enough to secure, you know, your future options for yourself. Gotcha. And for everyone who has never looked into fertility,
0: like I was maybe six months ago, can you just explain what a follicle is?
1: A follicle is a tiny cyst. It's basically a fluid filled sac that nurtures and takes care of the egg. And that follicle goes from something like four millimeters to almost 20 millimeters, which is two centimeters in size. And that's when the egg inside is mature. So that's why you have to take these medications because your brain will only normally get one tiny follicle to 20 millimeters, one a month. And you have to take additional hormones to get the whole cohort to grow at once. Got it. Okay. And
0: a lot of people I've heard think that Because women are born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have. If you freeze your eggs, then you're taking away from that kind of reserve and that you might go into menopause earlier. Is that true or false?
1: That is completely false. And that's a great myth for us to bust today. (laughs) I am like Pam Anderson, probably not the same body on a beach (laughs) with my black scrubs. Um, I run out to that sea of swimmers, which are the eggs, and I try and rescue them those, you know, those eggs would have died, you know, that month if I hadn't rescued them. So there's no way of getting them back. So I'm just an egg rescuer. So that's what, you know, egg freezing is it's saving eggs from death. That sounds very dramatic, but the reality (laughs) is I'm just freezing something that you would have lost. Anyways. I'm not putting you into premature menopause. A lot of people think that, Oh, you got 12 eggs for me. That means I'm going to go into menopause 12 months earlier. And the reality (laughs) is no, even when you're on birth control pills, When you're breastfeeding when you're pregnant we're still going that through that same rate of egg loss every single month okay
0: so even if i'm on an iud and i don't ever have a period Mm -hmm. that's not going to mean i have extra eggs for later
1: no okay (laughs) and that's why i always recommend getting your fertility levels checked as you have things like an iud because if you're not having regular periods you don't really know what's going on with your cycles because there's nothing happening that you can sense that, oh, maybe my period's lighter, or I'm having two periods in one month because the IUD can mask that. Yeah, I
0: definitely had no idea what was going on with me because of my IUD. And honestly, just in general, like, I feel like, in, I don't know, maybe just in my schools or whatever, but I think there's just a lack of knowledge in general around this subject. So before I started looking into everything with you and talking to my friends that had frozen their eggs, like I, as a 30 year old woman knew nothing about my fertility, which is honestly embarrassing to say, but I think a lot of people, my friends, my followers, like a lot of people feel the same exact way as me. And it's sad. (laughs) Put industry leading, difference making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte technology careers at Deloitte.com slash tech careers and engineer your future at Deloitte. What was another? Okay. This is probably the biggest question that I got over and over again How much does it cost?
1: Yeah. I mean, it just depends on where you live. So in the Bay area, everything's more expensive. Cost of living is more. So price for thing, the cost of things like IVF and egg freezing is going to be more. So in the, in the Bay area, it's usually around $18,000, including medication storage is around seven fifty a year or so. Okay. Oh. However, there are other places where you can do it maybe for closer to 12 to 13,000, including medication. So it just depends on Again, where you live, the clinics that are closest to you and for patients who let's say want to leave the country and do IVF outside the country, cause they think it'll be cheaper. I always tell them there are actually a lot of great clinics in the U S that do IVF and egg freezing for a price. that's pretty similar to doing it overseas. So I still wouldn't head overseas.
0: Mm, okay. So you kind of just have to do your research
1: based on the area. Yeah.
0: But for everyone who wants a number somewhere around 12 to 18,000 ish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, so I was 29 when I started talking to you, I'm 30 now. And I think a lot of women, obviously we've busted the 35 year old myth, but a lot of women still think like, I don't know what is the right time to look into egg freezing. So what would you say is kind of the best age to start looking into it? If you're interested.
1: I mean, I would say 25 is a good time to start thinking about it. Um, especially if let's say your mom went into menopause early, she needed IVF for you. If you have a personal or family history of endometriosis, severe pain with your periods, or you've had, let's say a cyst removed. Um, like those are the kinds of things that I would want a 25 year old to think about and say, you know, I think I should start thinking about egg freezing. Um, otherwise get your fertility levels checked by 25 and then think about it as a something that you might wanna go through by the time you're 32, not at the very latest, but around 32 is a very comfortable age. I think most people will be successful if they freeze eggs at 32. But obviously there are some people where even in your 30s, it might be too late. And that's why I really advocate for people getting their fertility levels checked when they start birth control pills, when they have an IUD placed, when they have the implant placed, so they have an understanding as to what their levels are before they start masking possible infertility symptoms. Okay. So if I just went to my
0: regular OB for a checkup and asked them to look at my fertility levels, would they be able to, or is that something you have to like do like with a specialist
1: or I don't know. So there are a lot of at-home tests that you can do. So you can go to your OBGYN and they will do an AMH test that are, but there are companies like, let's say for example, Modern Fertility that will also help get your levels checked for you um, with an at-home test that you just do on blot paper with a little poke on your finger. So I wouldn't necessarily rely on these tests as like, if the level's high, it means things are good. Or if the levels are low, things are bad. You and I both have had, you know what I'm talking yes. about when you share the story yourself. Yeah. But you, I always say you never just trust one data point, never. So there are reasons why sometimes the level might be falsely low. There are reasons why the level could be high, but the level is actually lower than it actually is indicating in the test.
0: Okay. But if I had just asked my OBGYN, is it, is that just a test that people usually don't ask for and that they are able to do. Or if I asked for it, they'd be like, oh no, that's something that's kind of like extra or you have to go get a test, like modern fertility
1: kind of thing. Unfortunately, still in 2022, I feel like, or I'm not gonna put a year on that because this will be timeless. I think in today's times, I would hope that with the amount of infertility we're seeing nowadays, that doctors would be like, you got it. Like, I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm checking your your AMH levels your level, but I feel like the, the attitude is still, oh, honey, you're too young to even worry about it. And that just drives me crazy. (laughs) And so, you know, I've been standing on my soapbox for the last 15 years, since I started my practice, screaming at people, just get your levels checked. I know it's not the perfect test, but it's the best thing that we have. But Jennifer Aniston, I mean, talk about a celebrity. And one day she's like, I wish someone had talked to me about egg freezing. And it's like, holy smokes. I mean, maybe now more doctors will be like, well, Jennifer Aniston said that, to get you know, these levels checked. So my point is that most OBs, I would, say, I would say probably six out of 10 would say yes to doing an AMH. And probably four out of 10 might give you an impression that it's not something you need to worry about because you're too young. Mm.
0: That's so funny. You mentioned the Jennifer Aniston thing because I think it was literally the day after my egg retrieval that she had spoken out about her fertility and that she had tried to have a baby but she never could and I don't think she's ever spoken on it before and I saw like e-news posted it and I reposted it because I was just like oh my god that's so crazy right after I do this she says that but hopefully yeah hopefully it's you know maybe the doctors will listen now but I've had that happen to me before at OBGYNs like even because I get a lot of cysts um, not just ovarian but in my breasts too and the last time I went to the gyno she was like oh I was like oh should I get a referral to go get this checked out like to get an ultrasound and she was like uh I mean it's not that big of a deal like you can if you want and I was just like aren't you the doctor like aren't you the one that's supposed to be telling me like yeah you should go check it out and she was kind of just like oh it's just a cyst like whatever and I was like, right. what yeah it's crazy um you mentioned if you start looking into your fertility earlier and you freeze your eggs earlier, that you might have more of a higher success rate potentially. So if you freeze your eggs, like you can freeze your eggs at 38 or 40, if you have some, but what does that mean as far as success goes?
1: Right. So an egg is a chance for an embryo and an embryo is a better chance for a baby. You just never know whether that egg is going to turn into a baby until you turn into an embryo. It's (laughs) right, And it's like, I tell people egg freezing is for women in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. The oldest egg I've frozen is a 52-year-old egg. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Amazing. True story.
1: I've frozen eggs on two women over the age of 50. I made them promise that if those eggs turn into healthy pregnancies, they would allow me to go on CNN and brag about it. <laughs> they promised me. But we went into it saying, I make them, you know, when patients come to me at you know at that age, I make them say to me, I understand that there's no way this is going to work. I just want someone to give me a chance. Mm-hmm. They have to actually write in an email to me. And I say, you have to write it back to me because I don't want to be giving you false hope. There's a 0% chance this will work. And they do, and they're like, okay, I Amy, mean, I appreciate it. Just give me that chance. Um, none of it didn't work for anyone. Okay, so my point is that you can freeze the eggs of someone who's let's say over 45, but the likelihood of it turning into a healthy pregnancy is, is, is zero. Um, at 45 and 46, you're, at 45, it's maybe 1%. At 46, it's probably 0.0005%. That's how low it is. But between 40 and 44, there might still be a chance for some people. And is that because of the egg quality? Yes, that's because of egg viability. And the, you know, if you think about that egg as an antique, it, it's been around for 40 years. And the machinery inside the egg that will allow it to divide normally is old. And so it just doesn't have what it takes anymore to turn into a healthy embryo. And I wish we had better technology to fix that. And that technology is out there, but we're just not a, it's not available to us in the U.S. And because of Roe v. Wade being overturned, I imagine that that type of research will never, you know, happen here in this country, unfortunately. Until then, we still have to freeze our eggs, use egg donors when our when we haven't become our own egg donor and frozen eggs for ourselves.
0: Yeah, and I want to ask this because I feel like I don't think people know this, but Let's say for example, that I froze the 14 eggs you were talking about. And you said that that gives me a good chance of having two healthy pregnancies. There is a chance if I freeze even 40 eggs
1: that none of them could successfully turn into embryos. And I appreciate you saying that because I always tell women, look at you frozen your eggs and then wait a couple of years and then ask yourself, should I freeze again? Should I make embryos? Because you don't want to create embryos at an age when you've completely run out of your own eggs, unless you're open to using an egg donor, because I've, you've probably heard these stories too. Women, 46, they use their 36 year old eggs, They thaw them. None of them turn into a healthy embryo and they wish someone had told them to freeze eggs again. So I always say, if, if you're going to potentially use your eggs at an age where you're, you don't have any more eggs, Consider making embryos first, or, or, or doing another cycle to make sure you have an embryo with your own DNA. Got it. Because I think a lot of people think, and I thought this
0: before too. Like, if you freeze your yeah. eggs, you're solid. Like you're set. You've got them frozen. You can thaw them out whenever you want, and you're good. But that's absolutely not the case. But if you freeze embryos, that is the case.
1: I- yeah. I mean, embryos are much higher. There's a much higher possibility of that embryo turning into a healthy pregnancy once it's an embryo got it. And then how long can you keep your eggs frozen? Well, there was a story that just came out recently about a 30 year old embryo. There were actually two of them and turn into twins. It's the same type of technology. So I always say indefinitely, as long as human beings are around that know how to thaw your eggs, your (laughs) eggs can be thawed and used. So there's no shelf life. They're not going to have freezer burn like the bagels in my freezer. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Okay. I feel like that was
0: almost everything that people were asking me repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything else on the top of your mind that you get asked a lot or you think that is important? So
1: so one question I get a lot, is there anything I can take? Is there a supplement? And I think CoQ10 is a very important supplement for women to take. And it's not just taking it for like the one month or the two months leading up to when they're doing their egg freezing. It's something that I think women should consider taking until they're done having children. You don't have to take it every day, but most days of the week, maybe consider taking it or incorporating it into your pill routine. Because it just helps. It can help with the mitochondria. It can help support your egg health. And I I tell my patients like you're the age you are right now. And I say, okay, I want to hear from you. I want to hear about your age of menopause. I want to hear your fertility story. And then I'm going to put all these stories together and say, women who take CoQ10 for 10 years will have less miscarriages and an easier time getting pregnant in the future. Yeah. And I took
0: it guys. I'm still taking it. Dr. Amy told me to take it before I, uh, I started my egg freezing journey. I was taking these like gummies that I got off Amazon, but hopefully they work just as well as pills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I feel like that we really covered all the egg freezing topics, but uh, this podcast is called vulnerable and I like to ask all of my guests if there's anything that you want to be vulnerable about today. So if there's anything that you want to be vulnerable about with us, Dr. Amy,
1: um, what do I want? Ooh, anything. It doesn't have to means- be about fertility. It could be about anything you want. Um, uh, oh, I mean, I'll just share it. a lot of people. I haven't ever, this is the first time that I'm sharing this publicly and I'm sharing it with you that, um, I actually had a miscarriage about a year ago. And I mean, I'm old. And I'm, I'm you know, I was 45 at the time, right? And yeah. it's like, you know, I totally, you know, for me at 45 having a miscarriage, it's like I still like I knew that um that could happen. And uh and it still hurt really, really bad. And so my point here is that n- no matter how old you are, your desire to have a baby doesn't run out if you run out of healthy eggs. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's what I'll say here and that I, I'm not very eloquent about because I wasn't planning on sharing it but I'll just share with you that that's something that I experienced and um, it was it was really hard to go through and um, and it just made me that much more empathetic uh, toward my patients especially my patients over 40 and that that much more fired up about making sure that patients get the right information get educated about their levels so that at, at the time when they're ready to have their baby they don't feel like their choices were involuntary taken involuntarily taken away from those. Cause imagine like you, if you had gone to the doctor and didn't find a yes person, they might have never heard someone say go freeze your eggs. Right. And so that's just, you know, I'm anyways, that's I'm rambling. Oh, I'm so So sorry. No, I'm sorry to (laughs) hear that. uh, No. And I don't know. I'm not sorry. I mean, it's just it's called life.
0: It's all good. I do appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing it with us. I'm sure someone listening can totally relate and will appreciate hearing that. Um, and you never did IVF or anything when you, when you had your other children, right?
1: I did not No, I mean, I thought I would, cause I, it was really, I really wanted a girl and I know that might sound selfish to some people, but, um, you know, we, I don't think having children in this world is selfish at all. It's actually the opposite of that. And so I would have had I not had a girl and then I did, you know, my sister is very open. I froze her eggs at the age of 32 for husband number two. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I put her, that was a, that's a very fun story. You, one day I wish you met her. You could have met her, She's. Not but yeah. So, but no, I did not. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for all of the info. I know this podcast, however many people it reaches will help so many people and please tell everyone where they can find you and anything that you
1: want to plug or promote, anything about you? Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, I'm really easy to find. You can just go to Egg Whisper on Google and you'll find me everywhere. My YouTube show, I have school.com, which are my Egg Whisperer classes. I also have Freeze and Share, which is a program where young women can get their eggs frozen for free in exchange for donating to someone in need. So that's another thing, another way of getting eggs, um, egg freezing paid for for people who are open to donating. Um, I also have the Egg Whisper app coming out very, very soon. Yay! Um, So I'm very excited about that. It's a way to directly engage with me and ask questions. And so I can keep track of them rather than going to Facebook, Instagram. And I feel like I lose the answers to the questions or I lose the questions that people ask me and I wanna be able to track them. So that's why I created an app for people to ask me questions. So thank you, Chelsea, for having me on. I love what you're doing and how you're doing it. You're doing a great job.
0: Thank you so much. Um, Everyone, please go follow my amazing doctor. And I did not know (laughs) that about the donating to get your eggs frozen for free. That's so cool.
1: Yep. Freeze and Yeah. Amazing.
0: And I know everyone is going to have even more questions after this episode comes out. So please direct them to Dr. Amy. And yes. I don't know when your app is coming out, but I know it's going to be popular because people have so many questions. Uh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode of vulnerable.
1: Definitely follow me at Chelsea Vaughn and we'll see you guys next time.